Welcome to another episode of the Be Fearless podcast. And before we go and present you this amazing guest that I have for you today, let me thank the people of, what was it? Hold on. <laughs> I forgot. Okay. Okay. I see it now. The people from Germany. Thank you so much for your support. The podcast got picked up this month in Germany again. Thank you. I truly appreciate it. You have no idea how much that means to me. So thank you so much. And, you know, speaking of international uh, platforms and audiences, I brought you today somebody that definitely transcends barriers. Today, our guest is the CEO of Total Help. Chilitz, one of the largest and most influential networks providing legal assistance for Latino immigrants in the United States. She is a renowned international speaker, have had, having, having had the pleasure of speaking in prestigious, in prestigious institutions such as Harvard University. In 2022, she published her book, Luna Crescente, which in English translate, or um, the title goes from here to there. And let me tell you, you are going to be amazed by her. Let's welcome the one, the only, Reggiani Glory. And I hope I didn't butcher your name because I practiced it like how many times? <laughs> <laughs> Reggiani. Reggiani. <laughs> Thank you very much. Such welcome a- to the Fulas Podcast. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> invitation. <laughs> I am so honored to have you here. Uh, I definitely have a bunch of questions for you today. Uh, but before we go to the meat and bone of our conversation, tell the audience, tell me, tell everybody, who was Reggiani Glory growing up and what was her dream? Wow. Straight to the question, huh? Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, Reggiani in Brazil, in the north of Brazil. Uh, it's a state called Maranhão. In Brazil, it's a little bit different. The, the north is hot uh, and not a lot of opportunity. So my family moved to the south where the weather is a little bit better and more opportunity. So this little girl was born in Maranhão, uh, taken to Rio de Janeiro. So I was raised in Rio. I uh, went there when I was only eight months. So I consider myself what we call a Carioca. Carioca is someone that is born in Rio or raised in Rio, which is my case. Uh, and my dream uh, as a little girl was to travel the world and connect with people. And I've been blessed to say that I have been able to do this. And I'm, I'm doing this now with my life. That's amazing. Um, I love... Um how you summarize your, your, you know, your, your life growing up, your process, but at the same time, you say with a smile that you were able to achieve what you wanted to do. Um, that is, because um, it definitely transmits some energy, some positive energy about, you know, fulfilling your dream. Right. And how you got involved with, um, in, you know, with legal assistant for immigrants. Let's start now with what you do as a CEO. Well, today as a CEO, we are in a totally different process to what I used to do. Uh, today I'm working on the expansion of the company. 
we are growing a lot and our goal really at the end of this year is to close the year with a hundred total helps. Uh, so that's what we're working right now. Um, and we have uh, our team working, helping uh, the Latin community to navigate the legal system a little bit better. As you can imagine, as, as an immigrant, when you come to this country, there are so many steps that you should take in order to be here legally, in order to get your documents, in order to navigate uh, the everyday things taking kids to school, registering them, uh, putting kids into college, all that. So Total Health actually helps uh, the immigrant with that. And we start with the Brazilian community because I was born in Brazil. So my idea was to help my community. But as we grew, we saw the need to help other communities as well. So that we end up expanding to the Latin community. So today we help people over the, the world um, Portuguese and Spanish speakers. Um, and we do have other uh, nationalities that they ask us for help. Simple as, for instance, uh, uh, student visa. Mm -hmm. Kids from other countries that want to go, they want to come here to college. How do they do that? We help them with registration. We help them with the student visa. Um, we help them with the transition from tourist to students and also um, extending those periods, right? So a visa can be just six months and we end up extending to four years. So that person can be here legally, work, study, do whatever they have they want to do. Can you, I mean, now that you're talking about, you know, the different cases that you, you know, assist people with, is there one particular case that have really been very impactful and, um, you know, a story where, where you help an immigrant navigate the U.S. legal system successfully and that you, is that a special case that you never forget? Oh, yes. There are two cases that it stays with me and I think always will. Uh, one was talking about touching people's life and helping our community. Uh, one was, I guess, the first one we had. Um, I had just moved from LA to Florida. And at that point, I used to work for a law firm in, uh, in LA. And so when I moved to Florida, my intention was to look for a job in another law firm. And in the meantime, um, expand or start total help in the state of Florida. So I passed my business card all over. I used to go to a lot of cocktails, events in the community. So I got a phone call from a lady who cried over the phone and she said, I'm in jail. And I just came from Brazil. Uh, I had to sell my house in order to help him. I need help. I already asked for help all over the place. Nobody can help me. They are asking for a lot of money. So I agreed to meet this person. So this is the wife of this client that we end up representing. And uh, basically she said that the husband, the story was, the husband was also a carioca, uh, came to the US, rented a, a bedroom in a house. And in this house, there were a little girl, seven-year-old girl, she goes to school. They realize that she's uh, with fever. They send her to the nursing school. They 
talk to her. She doesn't want to open up. To cut the story short, they find out that she was raped. So, yeah, so they find out that she was raped. So they called the police. The police came, interviewed her. It was a seven-year-old, so she didn't want to talk much. Uh, they brought her to a psychologist. They talked to her, and finally they were able to get the information that the person that had done that to her was coach. That's the only word she used, was my coach. So this client that I'm mentioning, he, what does he do? As soon as he came from Brazil, he used to rent bedroom in this house. At the end of the day, he was um, he worked as uh, delivering pizzas. And at the end of the day, he had some time for himself. He loved soccer. So what did he do? He gathered all the kids from this condominium in Florida and taught them how to play soccer. So first thing the police does, and this happened in Florida, in their Ray Beach. So the first thing they did is they went to the condominium and said, who is coach? Who is the coach here? So everybody in the, in the condominium said, well, it's the Brazilian guy on apartment X. So they went there, they grabbed him, no questions asked. He didn't speak English. They put him in jail. And again, to cut the story short, a year and a half later, after being in jail for a year and a half, his wife sells the house because it took that long to sell the house in Brazil, find out that he was in jail. Uh, she came to the U.S. in Florida and she got a hold of me. So we had that meeting. She said, he's been sitting in jail for a year and a half. So there I was. I had worked for this law firm. Um, and I was working for a firm um, in Boca Raton, and my boss uh, worked with criminal matters. So I asked him, can you can you help this person? I, I'm willing to bring the client here for us. And he said to me, yes, I can, $50,000. That was the retainer that he asked. So I told the wife. 15,000? Um, 50. 50. 50,000. He said, it's a very serious charge. Um, so we need 50,000. And at that point I was, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? So I told the wife, she said, I don't have the kind of money. I sold our house to be here, to buy the tickets, to see what I could do for him. Anyways, I was able, uh, that's like I said, one of the first cases we had, I was able to convince my boss to represent him for much less than that. We come with help from a lot of people. I did a lot of, I was trained as a paralegal at that time. Uh, so I did a lot of work, pleadings in my house after hours. So that would not be charged to the firm. So I did as a pro bono helping them. Mm -hmm. uh, and at the end of the story, uh, we find out that the person that had raped that little girl was the stepfather. So yes, after a lot of, a conversation with the little girl, the psychologist, and and a lot of treatment. She finally gave the information that was the stepfather who had told her if she had opened her mouth, he would kill mom. So in the meantime, this guy is sitting in jail uh, for this whole time. So finally, when he got out, which he didn't believe that he was going to get out, uh, when he finally got out, uh, he said to me and today we're good friends every christmas my birthday he's the first person to wish me a birthday every single year and this has been 20 years wow 
Yeah. So that's one of the cases that stays with me and I think will always stay. Thank God we were able to get him out. We sue at that point the the Ray Police Department. Mm-hmm. One of the attorneys from Total Health um, that worked in human rights filed a lawsuit, got him a compensation, and thank God this person is now uh, free working, having a normal life, but had a lot of uh, psychological issues due to that, as we can imagine. Yeah. That's one of the cases that I hold to my heart. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Based on that experience and all what you see on a daily basis, what do you see as the most pressing challenges immigrants faces when trying to navigate the U.S. immigration system today? The most challenging, I think it's the lack of knowledge, right? Uh, I, I don't think the the immigrants has the knowledge that they should have. And because everybody gets so excited, anything that is put on the news, they take as true. And there is a huge miscommunication, misinformation. And that causes a lot of people to lose money, to lose cases, right? And there's so many things out there too, uh, people that take money from the communities. So it's sad. There are a lot of challenges, but I would say that the biggest one is probably lack of information. Lack of information. Um, So, I mean, do you think then that the the immigration system in the United States needs a, a reform, needs to be better in any way? Um, more. I certainly believe that it does need to be uh, upgraded, let's put it this way. I mean, there are so many things that can be done and is not being done. There, uh, I mean, if you're authorizing people to enter the country and file for work authorization, the system takes so long to give them the work authorization. So basically, people are staying here um, and people without documents, they're still working and they are paying taxes. So the system is broke. We know that. So um, I think I'm not in favor of opening the doors and let everybody in, but I am in favor of let's find out what we need in this country. Um, I know a lot of friends of mine that they are looking for people to work and they cannot find. So I think there is a number. We just need to find that number that we actually need and what positions we need. And then we let these immigrants come in and apply, but get a job, pay your taxes and get at least a drive license uh, and work authorization. They don't need to get um, green card or citizenship. There is no need for that. You can actually have a system to put in place where people would pave the way to get there. So as long as they would get an employment authorization you know, and stay within the system three, five years where the government would know who you are, what kind of qualifications you have, and if you have any criminal background, I think that would be a perfect system, right? At least we're screening who is inside of this country. Mm-hmm. And if we believe that these people are not supposed to be here because of criminal records or whatever, then you deport them. But I think there are so many things that has to be done, and I think that's one of them. I think the system have to be upgraded, have to be reviewed. Uh, there are a lot of things that doesn't make any sense right now. For instance, 
You have people that come with a visa to the country. They don't have employment authorization. And there are people right now coming without inspection uh, through the border and they get employment authorization right away. So I'm, I'm sure a lot of people, they probably asking themselves, why am I going to do the right thing when people, they are not doing the right thing. They're not staying. It's being rewarded. Exactly. So there are a lot of things like that that has to be reviewed in the system. Yeah, definitely. Uh, now, what advice, based on, on what you just said and how broken the system is, what advice would you give to immigrants who are beginning the process of seeking legal status or navigating the complexities of the U.S. immigration law system? I would say I was just mentioning about lack of knowledge. So I would say before you start your case, do your homework. You're the best person to defend yourself, to represent yourself. There are a lot of good lawyers out there. I'm married to a lawyer. I mean, I, I study law. Um, there are so many good people out there, but I think you do have to do your research, get referrals, ask your friends, make sure that these are people that you can count on when you get there. And number two, uh, make sure that you have your documents handy. So um, I know a lot of people that they end up getting so excited about filing their cases, but they do not qualify or they don't have the documents. And after they pay people to do the work, they find out that they do not qualify or that they cannot get the documents that is necessary. So the whole case go down, down the drain. So- um, And so the money. <laughs> It's exactly. so money. <laughs> yeah, be prepared for it. I mean, make sure that you qualify and then you have the documents that you need in order to qualify for that visa, whatever that is that you're applying for. Well, thank you for, for that. You certainly are a wealth of knowledge and that has definitely um, opened you the doors and given you a space in, in international speaking stages. Um, what has been the most memorable speaking engagement of your career? Oh, wow. Uh, I've done a fair amount of uh, speeches. I have two that obviously uh, mark my, it's always going to stay with me. One is obviously speaking Harvard to me was such an honor um, for someone that always looking to, I mean, when you look at Harvard and the history and all the information that you get from there, it's its just, I just feel so blessed that I had the honor to speak there. Um, so that's number one. Number two was to be able to speak in a, um, in a big event for females in Rio de Janeiro, my city. Um, I always wanted to go back to my city and tell little girls from the neighborhood that I came from. I came from, uh, poor family, very simple family. And me, my brothers, my generation, my, my cousins, we were able to overturn that and, and change completely the history of our families. Um, and I wanted so much to go back there and tell the little girls from my town, which the name from my uh, little town, it's called Padre Miguel in Rio. I always wanted to go back and tell them, hey, I came from here. If I can, you can you also can make a difference in your life. So anyways, to, um, I was really um, surprised and, and honored to be called by a, a friend of mine who is very involved 
in politics and um, events such as events for females. Uh, she mentioned to me that we had a, um, she had an opportunity to invite me to this event in Rio, which was done for victims of domestic violence. So I thought to myself, oh, what a great way to go back to Rio and do a speech about that. But I had no idea uh, the the size of the event that she was talking about. I thought that it would be, like I said, my dream was to go back to my town. I thought about talking to girls from my elementary school, from my high school. That's what I thought. So I, I in my mind, I was going to talk to 50, the most 100 people. And when I got to this event, we had a stadium that was built for the for the games in Rio. They filled that stadium with females from all over, and they had judges, they had police officers, they had um, attorneys, they had uh, top models, they had all the females that they could get involved in this event to talk about domestic violence um, that day. And I was so honored to be one of those females and when I when they call me to the stadium that I, I look at the amount of females, I was so amazed with the size of the event. So I, I had a hard time to speak at the beginning. And then little by little, I got to the point that, okay, I'm here. I can go ahead and talk to my people. So I had the, the, the honor to ask people, say, so does anybody here is from this little town called Padre Miguel. And I had a good amount of people that raised their hand and said, I am. And I said, okay, I want you to know I came from there. And awesome. they telling my story. So that was also a huge thing for me. So these are the two ones that I remember the most and I keep with myself here. That's fantastic. <laughs> and um, it seems like you definitely have addressed uh, a diverse audience. Um, what challenges have you faced through your speaking uh, career or you have observed that you have had during your speaking career? And how do you, you manage to tailor your message to re resonate across different cultures? That's an interesting question. I, usually before you give a speech, uh, you ask the organizers to let you know what is the speech about right what kind of event you have so this one that i was mentioning to you i knew that was just for females and they brought females from a very poor neighborhood so we knew exactly what was that for right um now most of the time it's i'm speaking with business people i'm speaking with students so the way that i do is i study my audience and then I formulate what kind of message do I want to pass to this group of people. So that's how I prepare myself. So I, do, I have different presentations and that goes with different type of uh, population, let's put that way. Um, challenges that I have uh, seen uh, in this business. Um, I'll be honest with you, I haven't seen I, I can't say anything about challenges that I've had, or at least that I have experienced. Uh, in have been there then like any common themes? Like, 
No, mo like I said, most of the events that I've been to, I know why am I there. So okay. I prepare myself. So I actually don't see much of a challenge. Um, we do a lot of motivational uh, speeches. So I know that people are there to to be motivated or so i i i don't think i've i've experienced um uh, any challenges uh well that's good to know anyway <laughs> that's good to know right <laughs> if they were i did not see it let's put it <laughs> um but now let's go to the best part of everything not only you are helping immigrants through Total Help, a company that you uh, that where you are the CEO. Um, not only you go to international stages to speak and share your message and inspire people. You also wrote a book in 2022. Exactly. Yes. The book title is Luna Crescente, which in um, English is from here to there, English version, Luna Crescente. Tell us about your book. Wow. Well, uh, from here to there in English, uh, it's it's basically a biography of my life. I, I really think that I'm in a phase right now that I want to share my experience with people. Um, so Luna Crescente gave me that opportunity to to give people an idea of this little girl full of dreams in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, that had so many things in her mind that she wanted to accomplish. So I tell, in this book, I tell, uh, I describe the street that I was born, the street that I was raised at, my friends. And then I talk about the difficulty, financial difficulties that my parents had, such as I've seen many times my parents uh, when I was a little girl, counting money to pay rent and not having enough to pay them the rent that month. Um, and I think what that made to me is made the strong woman that I am today and also allows me to go inside of places and not feel not part of it. I can be part of a very high-end, sophisticated place and I can go to a very, very poor village and feel like I'm part of that too. So I, I guess that gave me that, that experience gave me this beautiful opportunity to be part of everything in the world or anywhere I go. Um, so I, Luna Crescenti starts with that. Then I talk a little bit about um, how did I end up in the US? Then I talk about how did I open Total Help, the idea of Total Help, uh, how that was born in me. I, I, I have studied that a lot. I've thought about that a lot as well. Why do I have this feeling? Why do I want so much to help my community? Why do I want to help the Latin community? Why do I want to help the world? Why do I want to leave uh, a legacy? A legacy here. Yeah. So I, I, I took my time to think about that. And I, I think it's, it's seen me and I, so I talk a little bit about that. And then because I love business and that's the uh, creating business, it's something that is inside of me. I love it. So I also, my book is directed to um, 
business owners, I give tips. I end up, the end of the book, I also talk about how did I scale my business? How did I end up, how did I start with a small office in Boca Raton, $300 office? Uh, that's how much I used to pay in rent. Was me a desk and a chair, and I could barely sit in that office. In fact, I, I would take the clients to the conference room because my office was so small to the point now that we have 70 offices around the world. Uh, we are in Australia, we are in England, we are in Italy, Portugal. So I tell a little bit of that, how to get to that point from one small office to 70 units today. Um, and I'm, I'm sure we're gonna go much more. That's amazing. I'm pretty sure that you will. Now for an exceptional individual like you, who has transcended so many barriers, what three steps one can take today to transcend barriers? Oh, wow. I would say the reason that I did that, it's because the only thing that I wanted to do was to impact lives by helping people. And I think that's what I would say. It's if you want to impact somebody's life, you end up making such a difference in the world. And I think that's why I've been blessed. I really do. I believe. I, I'm pretty sure. But what three steps for the audience out there? What they can start taking or doing today to for them to transcend barriers? Three steps. <laughs> <laughs> I did not hear the three steps. Sorry. It's okay. Well, one we're going to start with start solving problems. That's number one. So if you see a problem in the world, try to solve that problem. Number two, see how many people. So, all right, you found a problem. Can you expand that? Can you help as many people as possible with that little problem that you just saw? That's number two. Number three, be persistent. I think there are many times that we have a dream that we want to do something big. And people usually, we hear all the time, think big, dream big. Yes, but people tend to give up. They, they, they tend to believe that I'm not going to be able to conquer it. I'm not going to be able to make this happen. So I say persist on that dream. So that's my number three. I love it. Thank you so much. You've been definitely a gift today. Honestly, thank you so much for allowing us the honor of your time and for sharing your, your journey, your awesomeness, your knowledge, and everything that you do with us and with, with my audience. I truly appreciate it. And we here, whenever you need us, just let us know. Um, you definitely, definitely the doors are open for you. Um, and we are looking forward to see what else you do in the future. Um, any last words before we go? Sure. Well, I want to finish this uh, podcast by thanking you for giving me the opportunity to be here. I want to thank all the audience for being here with us, taking your time to listen to me. And hey, do not give up. Make sure that you keep dreaming. I love that. Where people can uh, reach out to you? They can reach me on my Instagram, uh, at Regiani Glory. You can also reach me through my company, Instagram, which is 
at Total Help uh, Group. So those two ways, pretty easy to get a hold of me. Awesome. And they can also visit www.totalhelponline.com. That's correct. To reach you out. Awesome. And don't forget, you guys, to get a copy of Luna Crescente from here to there, English version, so you can read her fabulous story. You're going to love it. Thank you again, Reggiani, for being here with us. Uh, in the meantime, you guys, I what I can say, don't you? can you feel it? Can you feel the energy? I hope you do, because I hope that her story inspires you to definitely trans transcend barriers every single day. In the meantime, until the next one, don't forget to unlock your potential and be fearless.